I'm Brinkley. And I'm Whitney. And this is the Blooming 30s podcast. We are two best friends living long distance that have found connection through marriage, motherhood, and growing in our 20s. Join us in our conversations as we bloom in our 30s. Back to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here today, whatever day you're listening. If you're new, welcome. This is a really exciting episode for us because we have another guest on today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. My name is Madeline. Um, I just turned 30. Um, My husband, Tyler, and I, we just celebrated 10 years, which I think both of you did too, right? Yeah. We're so the same person. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So fun. So we just celebrated our 10th um, anniversary in July. Um. We have three little kids. Um, Elle is nine, Eden is six, and Bennett is five. And um, we currently live in Boise, Idaho. We just moved here in June. And kind of our story, we have been our whole marriage in med school, in residency. We just barely finished that big, long journey, and we're done, <laughs> finally. So long. And um, yeah, I feel like that's a little quick overview. So you've kind of lived all over the place, right? Yeah. So we, we lived in Rexburg, Idaho. We went to BYU, Idaho. Um, then we moved down to Utah for a bit. We did summer sales, a few different places. And then we were, we'd been in Des Moines, Iowa for the past seven years. So Dang. that's kind of where we've been the longest. I know it was so weird to move from there because that was the longest we'd ever yeah. lived somewhere. How but- long were you in Des Moines for? We were in Des Moines for seven years. Dang. Dang. Long time. It was a long time. Do you feel like you were settled for the majority of that time or did it feel like a stepping stone? No, I feel like we totally got established there and felt like that was home for a while. I mean, it never, it ne- I never thought we would be there forever, forever, but we definitely like had an awesome community there. I feel like we so much changed in those from when we moved there to when we moved away that I feel like it was a really like formative chapter for us. Yeah. We talk about that a lot because we moved away from our families. I remember connecting with you so much, Madeline, because of your location. I feel like. Because you were in Ohio, right? We were in Ohio and Cameron's family is from Des Moines, Iowa. We had a family there. So it was like we had family in Des Moines and Cedar Rapids. It was both places. Okay. And uh-huh. I went to Des Moines when I was pregnant with Parley, my oldest, and to finally like go and see what it was all about. So mm-hmm. I don't know, just cool. And Whitney was in Virginia. Like, it's so crazy that we were all like on this side of the country over there and then back. Again. Yeah. It's so crazy. Totally. Well, and all of our oldest are kind of around the same age. Mm-hmm. And then Literally. there's... I remember when you had L. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, so, is so it, like, does it feel weird to say their ages? Like, I still feel yeah. like I feel weird telling my kids ages because yes. I, I haven't wrapped Why? my head around it and they're nine. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. Well, I feel like I all the time people ask me, how how old are your kids? And I'm like, I, I don't feel old enough to have a nine-year-old. No. You know what I mean? No. In my head, I want to say like And it goes four. so fast. Like, <laughs> I yeah. know. I feel yeah. like next year is going to really trick us to ten. say 10. I'm like... Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I cannot do that. They're too little. It's a mind trip. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I was saying we kind of want to share with our followers how we got to be here today, why we're interviewing Madeline, and how, what our connection is with everybody. So it all started with Whitney and Madeline. So why don't you take it away and kind of share your guys's 
connection yeah. story. We went to college together way back when up in Rexburg, BYU-Idaho. But like I knew you, but like we weren't like friends. Like we didn't hang out in college. And then I think what really solidified it is we got married and pregnant right around the same time. They're like a month apart. And then Parley Brinkley's is a month after that. So they're all like about a month apart. So that's like where it originated from. I have like I followed so many people when I was pregnant with my first that were due around the same time. And like, I still follow all of them. And it's so fun. But like, yeah, watch these kids grow. Before we start our blooms, let's share. So we kind of wanted to dive into um, kind of a deeper topic today, but it doesn't have to be necessarily a sad Mm -hmm. topic or negative topic, which I think a lot of people view it that way. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much positivity in hearing people's stories when it comes to this topic. So um, you're going to talk about being in a mixed faith marriage, which is incredible. And I give you and your husband all the applause because that is not easy yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, and we and were I'm just so saying, I feel to- like we're seeing it so much more, totally. which it was so taboo and like not talked about when we were growing up that yeah. we're seeing it more and more. And I think it's just like a whole new road to navigate. So I'm hopeful. And I think you're going to really probably help a lot of people by sharing your guys's experience. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being brave and sharing. Cause I think a lot of people that struggle with this it's just quiet under wraps. I think totally. Yeah, it's quiet. It's a hard thing to talk about. I think people think when you're in this position, it's just not going to work for your marriage. And I'm so excited to hear how it works for you guys and to give people hope and just a positive light on, hey, this does work and it can work and it can be beautiful. So totally. No, you're so right. Because I think when my husband first kind of went through his faith crisis, it was 2018, which has been, I guess, five five years now, a little over five years. And I remember just feeling so lonely and like there was no one I knew that had been, was in this situation, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like it is so much more common. And I've had, I've had people reach out on social media. Um, cause I've shared a little bit about it, um, on social media and I've had so like, I still, to this day, like every couple months, I'll get like a long message from someone I know really well or someone I don't really know well at all. And I think people just want to know that they're not alone, yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, thank you for being here. Let's get into blooms, shall we? Yeah. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first just because I actually have one okay. on the top of my head this week, um, which sometimes okay. that's the hardest thing to come up with. Um, Truly. We went to the cutest little Christmas farm this weekend with the kids and it's black season Friday. So Michael's like at work a ton. So he was able to, he had, um, we had like had someone come and help just for the weekend. So Saturday came and like he was home and I was like we need to like take advantage of this and like actually do something like Christmassy and in the spirit like my kids have just been troopers just dealing with us working so much and not doing anything but so um <laughs> we went to yeah a cute little Christmas farm I post on my stories but if you're in Utah County it's called Gordo's and it's a pumpkin patch but then they change everything for Christmas which I think is genius like why don't more places do that um, so they had like a sledding hill, they had hot cocoa, they had s'more kits, like they had like so many cute things, a sleigh ride. So it was really worth it. And my kids Fun. just had a blast. They kept saying, thanks mom so much for doing this for us, which means a lot because most of the time they're really ungrateful. So <laughs> that felt nice. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. I love it. So, so fun. I love stuff like that. 
Yeah. Okay. How about you, Madeline? What's your bloom this week? Um, my bloom. So this past weekend, we. So I grew up skiing. I grew up in Utah. So I grew up skiing, and we were in throughout med school and residency. We were like too poor to, to take our family skiing. So, but I've always told myself like when we're done, when we can make it work, like I want to teach my kids to ski. So we all last week we got all the gear. It's like a whole ordeal to like actually just make it. On yeah, the yeah, that's a lot. And um, we had a lot of odds working against us, but we got up there with like an hour to spare mm-hmm. before the bunny hill closed. And we, my kids had the best time. Like they all did so well. And it was like one of those pinch me moments for me where I was like, oh my gosh, we, we're here. We're doing this. Oh, yeah, cute. That's amazing. That, was, that was a highlight. I know. It was so, so nice. We've talked a lot about oh taking gosh, our and- kids, but yeah, it's, it's a big feat. Like just a few years ago for Christmas, I just got Michael's stuff and like just one person's was a lot. And then to go through all the kids and everything. So that's good to hear that they like enjoyed it. Cause I wondered like if my kids are even old enough to, to do it. Oh, they totally, they totally could. I did not have high hopes. I'm like, okay. I was preparing myself for the worst and it it went so So well. It did really good. Yay. Oh, I love that. I love that. So fun. Fun. I love that. Okay. My bloom. I, this was kind of a mom fail slash win all in one, but it's just so funny. Like learning your kids' personalities and like who is more vocal and like more organized with what's going on in their little lives. So I knew that Henley had student of the month for November and like Paxton had mentioned something in passing, but like, it wasn't like it just didn't catch my attention quite. And then I thought that he had told me it was actually passed and it was in October this year. They, our school has like done a new thing where they like do a student of the month lunch and you get to come to the school and bring your kids lunch and they get like an award and stuff. They hadn't done that before. And so I knew that it was Henley's day and I was going to go. And so I go, I brought her lunch. It was like so sweet and special to be with her and to just give her that quality time. And then I'm leaving the school and I see like all of the students on the wall and I see my son up there and I'm like, what, what? a freak. Like yeah. Henley brought me a note, like her teacher messaged me. Like it was this whole thing for her. Paxton, it's just crickets. Like he tells me nothing <laughs> at all. Like shows me zero notes. His teacher probably sends home things all the time and I just don't ever see it. So I was like, okay, well I have to come. Now seeing like how they made it an ordeal, I don't want him to sit there alone. The only one without his mom there. So I like literally turned back around within the hour to go and I picked him up a separate lunch, brought it to him and I got to sit there with him. And it was funny because his teacher came over and she was like, I'm so glad you're here. He said he didn't think you were coming. And I was like, he didn't tell me anything. Like you're making me look like the worst mom. Anyway, it was like I said, kind of a fail, but kind of a win. I'm glad that we were able to like figure it all out and I just was so proud of both of them. I know it's not unique to get student of the month. Like every kid that gets is their such chance, a huge deal, though. It no, it's a way big deal. It was cute. I was proud of them. So, and they were so stoked. They got like little passes to go to Peter Paper Pizza. Oh, and, like, cute. Stuff fun. Like that. so, That's so cute. fun. Yeah, it was cute. fun. And I'm like, me. I want to go to the school more. Do they need more volunteers? Oh I my like gosh. this. Meanwhile, like my kid's school, it's like, it's a charter school. And like, in order to be like, accepted I guess like you have to put in a certain number of hours and I barely oh. make it every year 
Oh, like for volunteering? Yeah. Dang. Oh, they're yeah. like legit. With they're it. legit. Like you have to track them and everything. And I, I don't, <laughs> I don't do any of it. You're like, what's the bare minimum? No, literally. I know, literally. Let's jump into today's topic. I want to try to give it as much time as we can. So like we mentioned before, we're going to talk about a mixed faith marriage. I thought before we dove into questions, we could just kind of let Madeline share kind of whatever you want to share about how the journey has been, how it started, how it came to be, what the process has looked like for you guys. Yeah. Um, so it was, it started kind of back in 2018. Um, and it definitely came as a surprise to me. My husband and I were both raised in the church. Very, I mean, I would say fairly similar backgrounds and, um, it, it really caught me off guard just because it kind of came, he kind of came to this conclusion, not overnight, but in a short period of time, um, that he just kind of wanted to step away from the church a little bit and reevaluate his belief. I feel like he like went through a lot of it on his own and then came to you or like, was he like pretty sudden himself too? Or like, was there a lot of like back work that he just did independently? if that makes sense. Yeah, no, he, he basically just had some questions that about some things that he was just like, I don't know that this is what I identify with anymore. And um, he, he kind of initially let me know where he was at. And over the course of, I would say, two weeks, probably, he kind of decided, like, I don't think this is for me, I want to step back. And I probably didn't handle it great at first. Like I was really taken aback and, um, you know, kind of as a background, I grew up in, in Utah. I had like the most magical childhood, but kind of like in a bubble in in a really good bubble. I loved it, but, um, I just didn't know of anyone who was in a mixed faith marriage. Like no one from my neighborhood I grew up in, there's no one I really knew of to, to gauge like is this are we going to be able to make this work and so um I would say the first I don't know at least the first year probably the first two years were really really hard it was a lot of just figuring out how how we're going to make this work and um we're in I mean we've been to counseling and done therapy and a lot of individual like both of us have done a lot of inner work and we've really we found a way to make it work really well for us um but it is a lot of work you have to put in the work and um I would say like the most helpful thing we did in in the beginning is when we were asking ourselves like can we make this work is we there were a lot of hot topics that we just didn't agree on that we decided we're going to just like set those to the side for a minute. And we sat down and we wrote down a list of like, what are all the things like the core beliefs and values that we have and we want to instill in our kids. And we were really surprised how substantial our list was. Like we still had so much common ground that that was really helpful for us. And just realizing if we can just focus on this for the time being and just we can deal with some of the hot topics later, but let's just try to like get through this while it's fresh and really focus on the common ground. And that, that was hugely 
helpful for us. I just was curious as far as like your your history of both of you being raised in the mm-hmm. church, getting sealed in the temple. Did he mm-hmm. serve a mission? Yeah, in Africa, which is crazy. Oh my wow. gosh. Wow. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. Did this come as like such a shock considering like was there I know signs for Cam and I, like yeah or yeah like was it this like could you kind of tell or was it like whoa and then as far as just knowing that this has so much to do with your history as a couple did that shake you a bit yeah totally we you know it's interesting because I think Tyler sometimes jokes with me he's like man if you would have asked me like when we first got married like which one of us would like have, go through a faith crisis I totally would have thought you because I ju- I'm just so I'm more laid back and he was so rigid in his beliefs and so strict um that that's I think why it was became such a surprise but um I think what we what I've kind of come to realize is even though our backgrounds were very similar we did have pretty different upbringings in regards to like our, our experience going to church. And I think for him, and I'm, and I'm trying not to speak for him because this is his whole story, but, um, for him, I feel like it was very fear-based and very like, I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm not good enough. And there was a lot of, I think, guilt and shame behind his motives. And I feel like my experience in the church has been a lot different. Um, I would say my, kind of my beliefs and my my faith is very intrinsically motivated. Yeah, I think it's nice to hear though like what you were saying that you guys shared with each other of like man, if you would have thought who would it have been that would have gone through a faith transition. That's it's just interesting cuz sometimes I hear people where they're like I did not see that coming versus mm-hmm. other people they see that slow roll. It's like personalities how are different. You guys- so some people like personalities yeah. are different. I know we were kind of touching on, you know, it, it seemed like it was more of like a a quicker process for him. It took him about two weeks. And then you said you guys, how long did it take you till you like jumped into going to therapy about it and, and just that whole yeah. process? Um, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm like, maybe my memory is fuzzy. I feel like it was, it was quick. It was kind of, it happened at a whirlwind time for us. Like he kind of brought up some of his questions and concerns right before Bennett was born. And it was like the worst possible time because we were in, let's see, we were in our third year of medical school, which that in and of itself is a, it's like we were in survival mode. And then to add on having oh. a baby and Bennett was a surprise. <laughs> we weren't, we haven't eaten our 17 months apart. So we, I mean, we wanted, a th- we wanted another kid. We just weren't ready at that time. Timing. And so it was just kind yeah. of like a high intensity time where we had a lot going on that I kind of was like, oh my gosh, like I cannot deal with one more thing right now. Um, but I would say it was, it was probably within a couple months, he had kind okay. of fully stepped aside. And for him, I think at the beginning, there was a lot of hurt and a lot of frustration and a lot of anger and so he kind of swung on the pendulum side of spirituality like to the complete opposite side like he wanted nothing to do with spirituality with going to church and um I think the biggest thing I've learned is how much time heals we we've 
been through so much together and done so much work that I, I think in that time where things were so fresh and painful for both of us, I, I don't think I would have guessed we would be to as good of a place as we are now. And I think it just comes back to time. Like time softens so many wounds. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, and I think you have to credit yourselves too, because this doesn't work without both of mm-hmm. you wanting it to work and putting in the work to make totally. it work. Time can help so much, but it's such a credit to who you guys are and the love that you have for each other and for mm-hmm. your family to make it work. Cause some people just say, I'm out done walking away. Like that's too much. I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be my story. That's something that's funny to me is there's, there's been a few, a few people I've talked to where they're like, okay, my, my, my husband's leaving the church and they just automatically assume that that means their marriage is over. And I'm like, that could not be further from the truth. Like your marriage is not over. Like you, you can thrive despite differences. Do you feel like a lot of the struggle was the relationship or the family as a whole, how to raise the kids? Did a lot of the struggle come from making those choices or was it pretty easy for you guys to make those decisions? I think initially the hardest part for me was when he, he stopped going to church. And so I had three, Bennett was a newborn. I had three little kids and I would go to church by myself. And that was the hardest part because not only is it hard to take kids to church, like in general, but just, I think because everything was so fresh, I just looked around and I just felt so alone and you see all these families and not to say like we, like we've talked about, like no one has it all together. You never know. You never know what people are going through, but I just felt so alone. And so that was the hardest part for me at the beginning. Um, but in terms of like raising kids, that was one of my initial concerns was like, how, how do you, how are we going to make this work? You know, now that we're kind of a few years into this, the biggest thing like I'll tell people and I, I feel so strongly about is I don't think there could be anything better than kids growing up in a home where their parents have like really different views on certain topics and certain things, but are still able to make it work and have peace and have Mm. mutual respect. I think that's so healthy. And we're giving our kids like these two different ways of seeing things and two different perspectives And ultimately, like giving them the choice, like you get to decide what works for you, just like we've decided what works for us. And I think, especially in the world today, like there is so much hate and negativity and people who just can't stand to get along despite differences that I think if my kids can grow up and be like loving to all people and tolerant of people of different backgrounds and beliefs and viewpoints like that's the best thing I could give my kids yeah oh I love that I love how so happy it's like seemingly a negative thing a seemingly that would be hard on your kids or a challenge to like look at it and you're so right like that's such a positive thing and like what a great example to lead like through your life that like here we are mom and dad that we believe very very differently but we love each other still and like we can exist in peace. And like that's something that I think the world struggles with these mm-hmm. days. Like and also I think it's really powerful and then just kind of reaffirms to your kids like you can think 
however you want to think and you can believe however you want to think and I'm still going to love you because I think a lot of the the fears with growing up and faith transitions is like how am I going to come across to my family or my friends mm-hmm. and so I think it's really special that your kids get such a great example of like I can think however I want to think and my parents are still going to love me so I love that totally I like that you turned it to the kids though that's a great perspective because I yeah I think it's so important to say we cannot agree and there is not hatred or smackdown mm-hmm. fights it's what we see in the world there's one little difference mm-hmm. of opinion and people hate each other and to show that you can exist in harmony and love but then also for kids to get that safe space which I feel like a lot of times growing up in a religion you don't feel like you have a choice you feel like you just have to do what mom and dad told you to totally do. so it's cool that your kids get both um yeah I was going to say one of my, I was talking to one of my friends and she was like, honestly, like both her husband, her and her husband, they, they go to church. But she said to me, she's like, honestly, aren't we all kind of in a mixed faith marriage to some degree? Because everyone, even if you're, you know, both going to church or you're both stepped away, like couples just have different ways of looking at things and different viewpoints. And I thought that was so true. I'm like, just because one one person decides to stay in and one person decides to leave, that's not the only way you can be kind of yeah. in a mixed faith marriage. Well, and like you mentioned before, like how Tyler was raised and how you were raised in the same religion were both very different. I have that too. Both Michael and I were raised Mormon, but we were raised very differently. And mm-hmm. even if we had the same religion as a core there's things that like were approached very, very differently for both of us. So yeah, like totally. even if we were both still Mormon, it's it's like a mixed faith. Like mm-hmm. you have really high faith on one subject and maybe I think differently on this subject. Like no matter what, it's a mixed faith to some degree. I love that thought process. Yeah, that's really, I mean, kind of cute. I just love that. <laughs> that's a great perspective. When it comes to um, Tyler's, questions or concerns about the church has there has he have you guys openly talked about specific things or is there kind of a matter of I you know what you, like we're gonna just kind of leave this here because yeah. I, I can see that how a lot of times like you don't want another person to have the perspective that you do you don't want to put them through any sort of turmoil or questioning so ha- how does that work with yeah, you guys? we I've definitely I mean there was a few different things he wanted me to read and just so that I could see where he was coming from And initially, I didn't really want to. I was like, I like where I'm at. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, But eventually, I did read everything that he kind of wanted me to look into. And, you know, we basically, I think what, what it comes down to is we've both kind of just come to different conclusions about the same things, which I think is hard, you know, and there, it, it just kind of comes down to mutual respect like I respect that you've come to this conclusion and I hope you'll respect that I've come to this conclusion and we see things differently and that's okay it's okay yeah 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 I love that um something I wanted to touch on too when you were talking about going to church with your three little ones and how hard that is no matter what stage you're in like taking kids to church is hard I think it's really cool though to emphasize how important we need to see people like you mm-hmm. because I can, I can imagine that even though it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're sitting there going, well, where's my place now? Because my husband's not here with me. We're not here as our family unit. 
we need to see that. Like we see so much of the time full families going to church. Mm-hmm. Seemingly perfect. I remember, like you said, like right. you're going to church, like seemingly perfect mm-hmm. when so like we just, yeah, more transparency and more honesty in totally. how we show up. And it, it, I think that would help tenfold. Like people would remember like seeing you sitting in a sacrament and your three kids. And who knows when in their life they're going to reflect back on saying like, well, yeah. she did it. Like I can do it. Well, and the thing. Yeah, no, it's the true. The thing that's so interesting too is it's like I remember going the first few months by myself and like on the verge of tears. Like I was so emotional and I kept thinking, like, aren't people, like, aware? Like, can't they see that Tyler hasn't showed up in two months? And I think people... Oh, nobody said not anything. For, not for, That's not interesting. for a while. Um, which, wow. honestly, everyone's just in their own world. I think that, if anything, like, one of the most beautiful silver linings from all this for me is just that it's taught me how to see people differently and deeper because we all have our stuff going on and there were so many Sundays I was literally like if someone even just looks at me and asks me like how are you doing like I'm just gonna start bawling like I it was barely holding it together and I found that I'm I'm so much more aware now of other people there's just so there's so many times I notice different people I feel like I'm much more aware and especially especially in like the verbiage that's used at church. I think a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm much more aware of how it makes people feel and how mm-hmm. there might be someone that's not sure if they want to keep coming to church. And like, I just try to be sure that everything I say relays a message of love and acceptance of like, no matter where you're at, like I see you and I love you. Bottom line. You know, I love that. Yeah. We need more of that. I think it's important though, because yeah, a lot of times the verbiage can be so cookie mm-hmm. cutter and it feels like, okay, I don't fit that mm-hmm. cookie cutter. When we lived in Ohio, I got to serve with the young women and I loved those girls. They were so beautiful and so unique. It was like the most unique group of mm-hmm. girls I think I had seen. And I remember like throughout preparing the lessons for them and then like executing the lesson, I remember thinking like, Hey, but I know this girl. I know her heart and I know her personality. Like this and I know that this doesn't resonate her. with her. Sometimes with the church's verbiage makes you feel like that's your only path and that's your only right. way. And I remember in certain lessons, just not touching on mm-hmm. certain things to make everybody feel included and to make everybody feel like you have a place here and you are loved. I love that perspective of like you and your situation and then being able to go to church and show up for other people and see them for their situation. And like, to be fair, I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, but when there's someone that says something that I'm like, Oh, that could be really hurtful to this person or this person. If you haven't been through something hard, sometimes it can be really hard to just even be aware. Understand. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we see that with so many trials in life, for instance, like infertility, how many things do people say with good intent and good in their heart that is a stab to somebody's going, going through infertility, like, but in their hearts of hearts, like they don't, they don't see it and they're not aware of it coming across that way. And it's the same with going to church and stuff. Like I, I do think majority of people have good in their hearts when they're saying these things that you hear that you're like like that that could come across really bad or really hurtful um and so I 
I think it's important to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I also there's a balance of hopefully there's enough people that are becoming aware of those things that can help change as generations go on. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. So how does it work? Uh, and you don't have mm-hmm. to share this, but as far as your dynamic now, are you going to church every week with your children? Are you baptizing your kids? Are like, are your kids being raised in the faith? Yeah, essentially? no, that's a really good question. Um, so we just moved to Idaho, to Boise, in June. And when we moved here, Tyler told me, and I was so surprised. I was so surprised, but he he was like, I I want to come to church with you, and it's not because he like wants to come back to church, but he's like, I really value the community aspect and I want to like get to know our neighbors and the people in our community. So he has been, I mean, he works every other week. He has kind of a weird schedule. He has seven on seven off. So he's Mm. here half the time, but, um, when he's here, he comes and, um, I love it because he, Tyler is like the most authentic person. Like he doesn't, fake anything for anyone he's just shows up for who he is but he's been coming and honestly we could not have moved into the a better ward for our situation that was something I worried about is like and it's silly but it's like will they accept us because we're not yeah we're not the normal perfect yeah family um but our ward has been awesome there are so many people that are in very similar um circumstances that I think there's a big sense of like you're welcome here no matter where you stand no matter you know where you are on your faith journey you're welcome here so that's that's been awesome and you know it's such a great way to find community that I think he really it is sees that and appreciates that so when you said like he just is so authentic does he show up and like so does he lead with like, hey, I'm just here. I'm not interested in like, yeah, how does that work? Because I think that's something that like, I think I would struggle with. Like, I think yeah. I would just go and like fake it. So I think there's a, it's very respectful to see someone like just say it how it is. And so, yeah, how, right. did, how did that look? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think another thing I've realized is I think I grew up thinking everything was so black and white and it's not there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area and he, he just comes as he, as he, okay. So he used to come to church, like back when he, he was going a lot, he insisted on wearing a white shirt and a suit. That was like Mm -hmm. what he was taught to do. You don't. And and now he just, he looks like a total convert, like (laughs) just shows up in his like (laughs) chill outfit. And, um, I love it. He'll go to the lessons. It's funny. And I think that show, it shows just the amount of growth that he's had. He used to not be able to even come to church without getting triggered. And now he comes and he's able to be like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. And it's fine. Like not for me, but like, it's fine. But that's okay. And he, I love that. He'll tell me like, okay, you know, in elders quorum, we had this lesson and he'll raise his hand and give comments and they're not probably the type of comments that the teacher is going the teacher for wants. to get but but he's really authentic authentic and I think people appreciate that and yeah. he just does it does it his own way and I love it I love it I love that so much I Good love how him. smiley you are talking about all of this it's so endearing and cute to see like 
you could just tell you guys just Mm -hmm. love each other. And despite what could be such a hard thing in your life that you've found so much joy in it is so freaking cool to see. I think I'm smiling too just thinking about it because I've noticed how much other people appreciate his authentic self um yeah because I think a lot of the time in our culture there's like putting on a perfectionism um face like you have it all together and it's really refreshing when you have people that are just kind of marched to the beat of their own drum and do things their own way and are good with it yeah it's cool Um, yeah when he was saying like I don't know if he gives the answers like the teacher necessarily is looking for but like I as someone that's sitting in there that would never speak up like I appreciate an answer that's outside of the box versus Mm -hmm. like a cookie cutter perfect in the perfect world this is how it would go answers like I appreciate the the harder questions that like make you kind of sit there and think so I bet Mm -hmm. people really do just love that and appreciate that so much of class I feel like is conversation Mm -hmm. and like not debate, but in a sense, like people are sharing their perspectives. So it is such a cool dynamic that he is bold enough to raise his hand and offer his, his insight, because I'm sure it's probably something other people haven't even given the opportunity Mm -hmm. to think about. Yeah. And it just helps everybody grow. So has that ever been a struggle in in your guys' situation where you've struggled with how to go about raising your kids and hoping that they keep the bond between both mom and dad and don't question the difference of living. Yeah. A lot of the time we will, things will come up that they've heard at church or things that they've been taught. And, you know, oftentimes it's like at dinner or something on Sunday. And basically what has worked for us is we each just kind of share, well, this is what mom thinks. Mom thinks this. And then Tyler will say, and this is what I think. And he shares his truth. And I feel like kind of back to what we had talked about, that that kind of gives the kids the opportunity to realize that like, okay, they, they see things differently. This is how mom thinks. And this is how dad thinks. And then they can kind of form their own, their own opinions. Opinion. Yeah. I love that. That's really cool. Cause how, like we never saw that growing up. Like there wasn't anybody or anything I ever saw that like, if we learned something in church, like that was it. Like that was gold. I, mm-hmm. It's almost like we didn't even take it home and have conversations at my home because like, it's just, it was back. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really great to really open up those conversations at home and as a family, because every family is so different. Every family is different. Belief, totally. So. Totally. So different. What's something that you thought would be hard about this, but hasn't been, you know, that's a good question. Um, or vice versa, something that you didn't think was going to be a huge deal, but that has been actually one of the harder parts of it so I don't know if this answers your question but one thought I have is um when back when he kind of went through his faith crisis um I remember and I was kind of reading a bunch of the stuff that he wanted me to read and learn about just a lot of things about church history and things that he didn't feel like he learned growing up um I remember feeling like, and and a lot of it wasn't a huge surprise to me, but I remember feeling a little bit, kind of like a sense of sadness of like, I wish I could go back to like that childlike faith where just everything was perfect and I didn't have any questions and I felt like I had kind of 
these doubts kind of clouding that experience. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I listened to a podcast recently that was so good. It's by Jared Halverson. Do you know who that is? Mm -mm. He's a, he's a scholar. I think he's a professor at a university in Utah. I think it might be university of Utah, but anyways, it has this really awesome podcast. It's called don't let a good faith crisis go to waste. And he gives this concept kind of the whole, what the whole podcast is about is um, in regards to going through a faith crisis, you're, there's three stages, the creation, the fall, and the atonement. And he talks about how that's kind of the, like the story arc of life. Like it applies to everything. It applies to parenting, how when you're in the creation stage, like it's just so exciting, you're in bliss. And then you go to, you know, the toddler years or the teenage years or the hard moments of parenting. And that's like the fall. And the fall is like when there's conflict and difficulty. And then there's the atonement phase, which is when there's resolution and when there's hope. And I feel like in regards to faith, one thing that like just really stuck out to me from this podcast is that thought that I was having of like, oh, I wish I could go back to that creation stage, that blissful stage. Um, but when you work through that fall, those difficult times, whatever, whatever the resolution looks like, when you can work through the difficult, the resolution is so good. And that's like a mm. place that I feel like I've grown so much in my faith is yes, it's not the same as it used to be as a child and it's not supposed to be, you know, coming mm -hmm. to that place where you, where you know God and you come to have a testimony of your savior and how much he loves you and is there for you and understands you. And being in that atonement phase is so meaningful because it makes all the the difficult stuff in that fall phase yeah. worth it. That yeah, we could apply that to literally anything in life of totally. like yeah. It's it's like the best like I don't even know what the phrase is but like the sunshine after the storm like mm -hmm. is so much sweeter and like we appreciate it so much more on the other side of trials like yeah. and not even just with faith just with life with in anything. general of like yeah that the hard is like how we get to the really really good stuff and I even say that in marriage um obviously we've all been married for 10 years mm -hmm. marriage is not easy and but like now being in the 10 year I think back to like when we first got married and we were in that blissful mm -hmm. creative creation stage yeah. and then like you know there's times of like fallout and hardship but like I don't even looking back on that creation I'm like I don't even know if I actually like want loved to go you. back like to I loved you no like I don't even know if I knew what love really was because now being on the other side of that it is so much sweeter and I think it's really sweet and cool to think about that in relation to faith like mm -hmm. it can be really hard and scary for it to come apart or be questioning or doubting but whatever resolution you come to for you like it's gonna feel so much sweeter yeah so I love that thought process on it I one of the questions yeah, that, that I don't love getting is sometimes and not all the time but every once in a while I'll get the question like do you think Tyler will come back to church <laughs> and I don't love that question and I feel like my response every time is I know Heavenly Father knows Tyler like he knows his heart he knows mm -hmm. him 
and loves him and I know everything works out like and I know that mm-hmm. no matter what we go through like we have a savior who understands the whole picture so much better yeah. than we do that that just feels like such a a minuscule question for like yeah. what what like really it doesn't matters. even matter yeah yeah Oh, I totally agree. We're all just like on this journey, you know, like everyone is going through their own, you know, journeys of life and trying to figure out where they stand with their faith and what, and I think that the best thing we can do is give people grace and give people love. Mm -hmm. Like our only job is to love. Yeah. Totally agree. It's sad how much that is missed when we know of people that go Mm -hmm. through this. I think what you were saying, like how you wished you could revert back to that innocent, almost naive thought process with the church. I think a lot of people that have doubts come up, crave Mm -hmm. that again. And almost it's like, well, I wish I didn't know this, or I wish I didn't feel this type of way. You know, with that all said, are you comfortable sharing how it was sharing this news with family? Was this a hard part of the journey or was everybody open and accepting? Yeah, I think, I think our fam, both of our families were surprised. I don't think they saw it coming, Mm -hmm. but um, I think his parents had a hard time at the beginning, but have been so amazing. And my family, my mom actually from the very beginning has been so awesome. She she said, I have just felt the strongest impression that the, my only job, like I just said, my only job is to love. Like it's, and I think so often we get caught up in trying to, or feeling like bringing people back to church is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. When I think the most important thing is just to love people and mourn yeah. with those with, that mourn and just be be there for people like our savior is there for us. Oh, I love that so much. I, yeah, I think it's hard and it's so tricky because a lot of times people can take your news of leaving the church as such a personal threat because it's almost putting into question what they believe and what they know yeah. to be true. And I, I feel like people that do walk away and do leave, like that's not their intent and that's not their purpose. And it. it's truly a personal choice. And we can sometimes not show up for people the way that we're taught to, which is to be Christ-like and to be full of love and and just show up for people and say, like, I love you no matter what decision you make. Like, mm-hmm. it, this is your life, not mine. This doesn't come into question any of, Instead of, of my stuff. Instead of taking it very it's hard. It's almost like yes, people don't know to how to support those that want to step mm-hmm. away. And I've been so touched by the amazing people in our lives, like the people that we our friends in Des Moines when we were there and this, all this was happening, I thought for sure they're not going to like, my mind was going to extremes and of course they wouldn't, but my mind was going to like, they're not going to want to be friends with us anymore. Yeah. And that couldn't have been more opposite of what happened. Like, and I was so impressed with the people that cared enough to just say like, how have you come to this decision? Why do you feel this way? And that spoke volumes for just the type of people that they were, that they cared enough to enough to be there with him during that time and with yeah. us. That's really cool. I'm glad that it was such a positive experience. Okay, so Elle is nine and she hasn't been baptized no, yet? No, she has. She, we, okay, but yeah, you guys we waited. initially told her, like, I really wanted it to be her choice because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, 
yeah, I'm raising her in the church, but her dad isn't really in the church. So if there comes a day, this is the first example of like, it's your choice. Like this is the first time in your life that you can really practice what you preach and say like, it's on you. Like you get to decide. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we, um, she was really nervous and didn't want to do it. And I was like, that's okay. And I think that that's, I think that that's hard for some people to, to swallow, but I'm like, there could be no better outcome than this truly being her choice so that if she doesn't, or she does, it's her choice. And a few, she was only baptized a few months later, a few months later, she decided she wanted to be. And we supported her through that. And it was a beautiful day and everything. But um, yeah, that was kind of the first situation where we were like, oh my gosh, like we have to practice what we preach about like truly, truly each letting her know where we stand and letting, letting her choose. I worry with my kids a lot. It's like, well, my sister did, or it was a big party and that looked fun. And it's, it's hard to gauge with little kids. Like, are you making the choice because you know, yes. And like you truly know, and you Mm -hmm. truly understand or, and I think a lot of times when, um, in just like a, like, let's say, quote unquote, normal circumstance when both of the parents are active or like thinking of when I grew up, like it didn't feel like yeah. a choice. It was just, it's what, just what you did. Yeah. That's just what you do. Yeah. It's just what you do. So it's really cool that even just giving her a few months to work out her own. And it actually process, was a really neat experience because I didn't put the pressure on her at all. And she came to us one night and she's like, I've been really thinking about this. And Elle is an Mm -hmm. old soul. She's so mature and wise that there was no doubt that this wasn't fueled by pressure or fueled by wanting to do, you know, do what was normal. She just truly was making that decision for herself and, and bless Tyler. He was, he was supportive of it too. But he, I think what he focused on was like, she's deciding to follow Christ. I posed the question to my son a couple weeks ago and I, I, cause I, I can see his personality being more so there was a party and she got mm-hmm. a pretty dress and I get to get this and like everyone brought presents or we live away from family. Everybody came to see her. Everybody traveled in from out of state and I can see him making that choice. And I asked him and he said, um, I asked him, well, why do you want to get baptized? And I was so thinking he was going to say, cause mm-hmm. Harley did. And he said, because Jesus wants me to. And I was like, oh my gosh, like so precious. Oftentimes as parents, we project our own experiences on our kids. And I feel like it's so much more simple for them. Yeah. And I think it's easy, especially as moms and and women, to overanalyze it and to be anxious about it and what this means. And I feel like when we just simplify it and like – my little eight-year-old saying like, I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to, I just want to be like him. And like, how can, how can you say what more could you you ask? Like that's, that's the 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 core of what it means. So yeah, they understand it almost more than we do. Right. Like they understand the core of why we do this versus we're getting lost in all of the fluff. The other little yeah. things of the, it. The yeah. event and the, <laughs> the yeah. dress and the... Literally. Kind of like I talked about earlier with things being black and white and like they don't always have to be. And I think people feel the pressure. Like I have to decide where I stand. I can't be in this middle ground. And I'm always so appreciative of the people who are in that gray area who are just 
like just trying to figure it out. And I hope that as, as like a member of the church, I hope that I can be someone that sees those people and is there for those people and makes them feel loved so that they don't feel so alone. Yeah. They don't feel like it. they have to have a black or white answer. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I think more people are like that than we mm-hmm. give credit for in the church. And I think a lot of times we can look at it as a whole and feel so like a misfit mm-hmm. or judged or, but it's like everybody totally. is. <laughs> like everybody is on their own path and their own journey. And yeah, it just, it looks different for everybody. And so thank you for coming on and like showing such a positive side of being a member throughout uh, not a, a big trial or people. Yeah. Yeah. Something huge. Um, a final question that I thought would be cool is, um, have you seen blessings from all of this, from living in a mixed faith marriage? What has been a blessing to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest blessing has been, the ability to see people and the ability to, I think because I grew up sheltered where there, and and I loved my childhood. I'm not dissing on it, but I, I didn't grow up with a lot of non-members or people that were going through faith struggles. I think that I had it, had we continued on the path that we were on, like, I think I would still be in my own little world and I've really learned how to sit with people when it's hard and when it doesn't make sense and how to comfort those that are struggling. And the, I mean, the best silver lining for me has been the people that have reached out to me and have said, like, I'm going through this and I'm so alone and I don't know who to talk to. I don't have anyone to talk to. And when I look back on our experience, I'm like, it was all worth it. If I could just make a difference for one person, I know that sounds like so Mm -hmm. cheesy, but I'm like, if I could just like connect with someone and let them know that it's going to be okay, that then it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're an advocate for people on both sides of it, which is really, really awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was so like, so thank you guys so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, we would love you forever. If you would subscribe and leave us a rating and review, we do monthly giveaways from these as a thank you. Come hang out with us over on Instagram. Don't forget to look for ways to bloom. We'll see you next week.